Genesis chapter 1. While I set my iPad display to not go dark. I'm pretty excited about this series. Um, You know, a lot of people ask a lot of questions, which is really good. And there's a lot of ways for you to get answers to those questions in our church. Questions about why we're here, why do we exist, what's our purpose in life. Those are the big ones, right? The ones that everybody wants to know. Um, And the Bible, I truly believe, has the answers to those questions. Um, So we were going through um, Luke, the book of Luke, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I had already gone through the book of Acts, and we know that Luke is a a two-volume series, right, of Luke and the book of Acts, written by Luke. Um, But we took a break from that for the summer, and I really want to focus on just some discipleship. We've got new people in our church. Uh, We have new families every week. And for us to be able to, you know, really maximize our outreach, maximize our efforts of discipling and putting that information in your hand is really beneficial. And technology allows us to do that. So hopefully I'll have to go back and preach on the scriptures again. Uh, Maybe I'll just do it sometime this week, Brandon, with nobody in here. I just don't think it'll have the same effect. Uh, I I feed off this. I feed off the interaction. Um, But our plan, our hope is that through this study, research, uh, our summer series is that I can visit each topic, each like pillar of our faith, if you will. Um, last week was the, the first week, but it was scriptures talking about the, the Bible. Why do we believe that the Bible is the Bible? Why do we believe it's the word of God? Um, why do we believe it's only those 66 books and um, not those plus the Apocrypha or those plus the Book of Mormon? Or uh, And it's just funny, like, um, you know, I feel like God challenges me in these ways. Um, you know, last week I preach on the scriptures and I make my declarations. So each one of these messages in the research series, I'm posting in the church Facebook group. So if you're not in that group, request to join and we'll add you. Um, but what's cool about it is, uh, you know, you have my thoughts on paper, even though the audio isn't available, but you'll see at the top, the declarations, that's the why, right? And then, you know, if you look at the way they're built, if you have that pulled up, it's the, the why, I think I call it, yeah, the connection, um, that the, I'm sorry, <coughs> the declaration is the why, the connection is the how, and then the application is the what, uh, following that Simon Sinek philosophy, which I firmly believe in. You've got to start with your why. You have to understand why you're doing what you're doing. We've all worked for employers that we are literally working for money. We're working to put dollars in our pocket. We're not working for a purpose and a cause. And there's a drastic difference in yourself. There's a drastic difference in the fact that maybe I'm working, I'm self-employed, and I'm putting my time and effort and my passion into my own business. There's a huge difference in the, in the effort there. You'll work with blood, sweat, and tears, right? Not just the time where you're clocking in and clocking out. That's the difference between people who know their why. And so my goal is that we don't have, good to see you guys. Hey, Douglas. We don't have a, a church that, that is surface. We come for the feeling. I mean, granted, there's feelings. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm going to sing that Reckless Love song again when I'm at at least 80% of my voice. Because <laughs> I like singing it. I like what it does for me. And, and I just, man, I, I just love it. it just, there's a great feeling. But behind that feeling, that's the application, is a why. I have a God whose reckless love is working on me daily and, and affecting me in a personal way. Do you understand? If there's no why behind the what, then we're only as good as our feeling. And that's why people aren't consistent with church. I don't feel it today. 
I'm going to go do something else because there's no why. There's nothing rooting you. Psalm 1, trees planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth their fruit in their season. This leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever they doeth shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. That's the difference between someone who's rooted in their why and someone who's rooted in their what. If you're rooted in your ministry, if you're rooted in helping for the kids VBS, when those things aren't here, you're not here. When your ministry goes through a season of dryness, you don't stay. Make sense? Because you're not rooted in your why. So that's the goal. My goal is to give you tools, ammunition, forgive the coughing fits that will inevitably come. Um, If I hug you today, please sanitize quickly. I'll try not to. Uh, It's more of a knee-jerk reaction for me uh, because I love each and every one of you. Um, But I'm going to try to just limit it to elbows today. Um, I am on the upswing, just so you know. I, I don't have as many fevers and chills feelings today. So, no, anyway. Um, but that being said, I want to deepen your roots today. Last week was scriptures. Uh, all we have right now is the outline. Go in the Facebook group. Check it out. This week is a subject I'm very passionate about, and it's creation, right? So I'm going to make my declaration, our why, what I believe, the root that goes down deep, and then we'll talk about how that took place. Then we'll talk about the what. How does that apply, applicable to you in 2018? This is crazy awesome. I love this. I love this message. I love this truth. And I think if, if you'll listen, oh, we're doing great on time. I think if you'll listen and, and you'll apply it literally at the end, it'll change your life um, because it's changed mine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We pray uh, for your power. Father, I need your power today. Father, I need your clarity. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a state of mind right now that I could take just about every rabbit trail and have fun running down every one of them. Uh, And Father, I need clarity. I need to bring this message because it's the message that you have from your word in your son's name. Amen. Okay, Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5. (coughs) Let's let's look at it together. Uh, Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Let me read you one other text. Exodus 20, verse 11. These two passages really declare something. They declare something that 2018 needs. Listen to it. For in six days... The Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, watch this, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and howled it, hallowed it, howled it. Oh, that was good. (laughs) Anyway, telling you rabbit trails, it's on. Uh, Those two passages really declare something. If if it's your first time uh, today, I'm just warning you, I'm a bit strange, I'm a bit odd. Uh, don't judge me the first time. Keep coming back, okay? Uh, here's my declaration. Here's my why. You ready? For those of you that don't believe in creation, this, I hope, does not rub you the wrong way. If you don't believe what I'm declaring to be true, then go prove that it is not true. Bring the proof to me, and I will change. I will change to your declaration if what you believe is, has been brought forth with truth and with substantive evidence that can change my mind and the evidence, the insurmountable amount of evidence that I have behind the declaration that I'm making, okay? And I firmly believe that. I'm not here standing on 
my podium, I'm standing on God's podium. I'm standing on God's word, God's declarations. So here's the declaration without any further ado. Here it is. We believe that God created the universe in six literal 24-hour periods. I reject evolution. That's my declaration. So today's declaration is going to be centered around the fact that I believe that God created the world, the heavens, all that is therein, in six literal 24-hour periods, and I reject evolution. That's my declaration. Now, how do you approach the fact if you don't believe that? The same way I approached getting here, getting there to where it is my why. Do your research. Don't stop until you have an answer. And it's not good enough to just say, that can't be. There's no way. You see, we live in a generation of people that aren't willing to put the work in. They're good about saying, ah, and they'll point out the points that they think are not accurate without doing the research and the work. I'm not standing here making a declaration to you based off of one hour of research. Hundreds of hours of research. Many books. I won't say hundreds. The Bible has 66 books in them, but many books. Many times. I read one whole manuscript on six literal days of creation. Blown away. Written by popular scientists of today that are creationists. You see, I believe that there is an agenda out there. Hashtag fake news. Just kidding. Uh, but whatever side you're on that, it doesn't really matter. I just think it's funny, so I say it. But, but literally, there are people that are trying to turn your, your approach, turn your philosophy, turn your mind to a certain... Uh, <laughs> To a certain point, I think it's called humanism and modernism, if I were, if I were to define it. And, and from there, everything flows out. A new philosophy. Progressivism. <coughs> I'm going to mispronounce all kinds of words today. I'm sorry. <laughs> Typically, I would be on it. <coughs> don't judge me. Uh, I just don't want to be judged. Just kidding. I'm okay with it. But the progressive mentality and philosophy flows out of these half-truths. And, and I think... Traditionally, here's the problem. 80-some percent now of all social media, I said this last week, is video content. So we think that if we see a video on, on the YouTube, the second largest search engine in the world, that that 15 or 20 minutes, that's a really long one because our attention span is less than seven seconds nowadays. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Just kidding, we don't believe in that. We're in church, but we kind of do. No, but Charles Spurgeon did. Anyway, the point is, is, I'm trying to keep you with me today because these are messages on research. That tends to be boring, so I have to make this lively for you. But the point is, is this. You watch a five-minute video and you're sold. I believe it. I mean, that is some really good research. A.K.A., they had a really nice camera. They got in the the depth of field was, like, amazing and the blurred background and what was in focus. And it's just like... We totally will sell out and give our whole lives over to a whole philosophy because they have a really good media team and because they put together a really nice presentation and there's no substance to it. We're so driven by our emotion and we're not driven by fact. We have to be driven by fact. I have an article and it will be posted in the church Facebook group. It is the most dyna- one of the most dynamic articles I've read in its short, concise forms. And I want to give you a piece of it today, this morning, because it really defines where creation falls in, in our mix and our hodgepodge of philosophy and where we think that it does and does not fit. Because here's the problem. We as Christians 
have this belief and we're more like uh, backstage believers, right? When we're in the coffee shop, when we're with our coworkers, we don't want to come out and make the declaration that I believe the world was created in six literal days by God. They're going to be like, <laughs> you know, it's like, really? You believe that? You think that? I mean, that's kind of like pie in the sky, don't you think? Like, literally, the guy was up in the sky, and whoop, poof, there it is. You believe that? Don't you think science and evolution and, like, those are the things that really make sense, right? And then I, would, I did this all the time. I worked at a, I worked at Solar City. And there, there were many people who were environmentalists, and they were uh, green in that sense. And you know what? They converted me. I recycle now. Most things. Uh, you know, the environment is important, kind of. No, uh, but before, I didn't even care a flip about it, but now I do, right? So, like, I can learn too, right? But they would throw that in my face, like, you can't believe that. Like, that's just kind of like a myth. That's a fairy tale. Science tells us what we need to know. This article, forgive my lack of couth, but this poops on that philosophy. <laughs> Here's three things on why creation makes sense. With science and not without. You see, they're trying to put, when I say they're, the modernist movement, the people that are trying to say God didn't create the world. We evolved the Big Bang, right? All these wonderful philosophies that take no faith at all to believe in, right? They want to put science against Christianity, yes or no? Do you agree? Do they want to put science, and do they want to make you feel like the little kindergartner in a room full of college students? Yes or no? Right? No more. I don't want our church to feel like a bunch of kindergartners, because not that I'm, I'm not intelligent at all. I'm a knucklehead, right? Uh, I just like to read. I like to read a lot, and I like to do research, and I like to dig deep, and I like to ask questions, right? That's, that's, why we got, that's why Christians got the bad rap that they have, because they speak too much and listen too little, Right? When I'm sitting at the table with someone who doesn't believe the way I believe, follow me, stay with me, I ask them questions, discovery questions. Why do you believe that? Five whys. If you ask someone why five times, you'll really get to the root of what they believe. Why do you believe that? Well, because of this. Well, why did you get to that conclusion? Well, because of this. Well, why did you get to that conclusion? Well, because of this. Two more times, and you're there. <laughs> because in seventh grade, I really... No, anyway. You know, and then they'll break down and tell you all their emotional problems, and no... <laughs> And we're not counselors. But, but the point is, is they accepted their belief for one reason or another. Someone, and here's my experience, my experience. You're, if you judge me today, you're judging me on my experience. I'm not speaking into your experience. My experience is that, for the most part, people who believe in evolution and those things really put science against Christianity. Here's three things. Number one, this article will be in, in Facebook. Laws up above. Listen to this. Laws up above. How many believe that there are laws in science? It's okay. You can raise your hand. Are there laws in science? Are there laws that govern scientific like procedures? The answer is yes. You can raise your hand. Okay. Everybody's like, scared. <laughs> There's laws. So watch this. There's laws up above. So really, if you take this article and you put creation versus evolution as it pertains to science... As it pertains to science, number one, there's laws up above. Check this out. The ancient Chinese had incredible technology, but not science as we know it. This is fact. You can, you can go dig in, right? Why? Because while they were intelligent, they did not believe in a higher intelligence. Not in the Bible sense. They didn't think that there were ever 
<clears throat> ever-present, always applicable laws of nature that governed the universe. They went out into the world and tamed it through technology, but they did not seek to press into the deeper laws of the universe. That's because they didn't have Genesis 1. They didn't believe that in the beginning God, and they didn't believe that through his word, last week's message, an ordered cosmos or world was created that shows all the hallmarks of dependable regularities, seasons and spheres with boundaries and signs in the sky. All our regularities are shown through seasons, through times within the sky, a overarching law. There is a law up above in Genesis 1. Excuse me. The God of Genesis 1 is a God both of prior to nature and beyond nature. Therefore, he gives us every reason to expect laws of nature. To expect it. This understanding is absolutely vital if you want to do science. So they tamed, the Chinese tamed through incredible technology without accepting greater scientific laws. Their discoveries, their innovation was produced without hard scientific overarching laws. Do the research. It's not uncommon today to hear scientists doubt that a grand unified theory of everything may be found. It's not uncommon. After all, to believe in a grand unified theory sounds remarkably like Genesis, what? One. And who believes that anymore? Logically, though, belief in a God of Genesis 1 will engage you to further with the scientific enterprise. Disbelief will make you give up the investigation prematurely. To accept creation in Genesis 1, what I read you as a declaration, as a why. I believe God created the world in six days. Accepting that is not going to put you behind the curve. Technologically speaking, it's going to put you ahead of the curve because you're diving into science, believing that there is an overarching law that is above. Does that make sense? So the fact of the matter is when they say you're ignoring science if you believe in creation, that is exactly the opposite of the truth. To accept creation is to accept the fact that laws exist. That there is dynamic overarching principles that govern us. That's what that means. Here's the second thing. I love this one. There's a world out there. Number two. There's a world out there. The ancient Greeks were smart cookies. Yes or no? They were. All philosophy is a footnote to Plato, as they say. Philosophy, mathematics, art, literature were all spheres of excellence for the Greeks. Science? Yes or no? No. Not science. Huh, side note, sidebar. They were great, great guys, great thinkers. Philosophy, when you got into mathematics and art and literature, they were phenomenal. Did they dabble too much in science? Not necessarily. Why? They believed... Let me back up. Excuse me. Because science requires you to believe in a stable, predictable world out there that's open to investigation. Science occurs when you make repeatable observations and check your theories against the cold, hard, what? Facts. But Greeks didn't believe in cold, hard facts. They believed in the mind and reasons and laws, but not empirical investigation. They believed that it could change and, and, and we find this theory trickling down through Gnosticism where, look, truth is what? Relative. It's subjective. It can change at any given moment. So therefore, science would not be something that they would want to put themselves into in that in environment, no pun intended, huh? But they would put themselves in that environment, and then they would be subject to those laws that were overarching, that were governing. They didn't like those boxes. 
I'm a creative. I don't like boxes. That's why I like music. Why? Because, I mean, I may be held to a circle of fists and to a scale, you know what I'm saying? But, but the point is, is I can go seven different directions up in that thing, and I can choose this mode, and boy, this is fun, and that sounds really cool, and let's go this way with it. Let's take on the, this morning, we learned that song in like 20 minutes. We're like, yeah, it's the six minor, and then it goes down to the five and the four. It's a pretty sweet progression, but I like music. Why? Because I'm a creative. I'm not good with boxes. How many could see me in a laboratory for days? Heck No. They would walk in, and all the rats would be on a clothesline like this, like with stuff painted on them. I'd be like, ah. <laughs> It'd be crazy. This guy does not do well with overarching boxes and principles. I don't. Squirrel. I'm a creative. The Greeks were the same way. Nothing. It's logical to believe this, and that will lead me to this. There was no overarching science. Not much. That's why they denied that. But if you accept an overarching principle, a rule that there is a world out there that exists with principles that govern it, boy, we can make it far in science, can't we? Because we're ahead of the curve. Here's the third thing. Minds in here. If human minds are the product of mindless operations that only honored survival, this one to me is the smoking gun. Of my declaration of the world being created in six days by a loving God, Different by design. Slight cold sweat going right now. (laughs) Pray for me. God bless you. The point is, is if we truly believe this, this to me right here is the smoking gun. I didn't have, when I read this article, I was like, I I don't even have to go any further. This one right here, I am going to go further. But anyway, if human minds are the product of mindless operation that only honored survival, Karl Marx, survival of the fittest, it evolves because of its survival. And those do not survive because they did not evolve, right? If that's what our minds are a product of, not intelligence. The two are not at all synonymous. Then why should we trust our minds to understand the laws up above and the world out there? If we're the product of the cosmos and part of the cosmos with no higher calling than to pass on our genes, why trust a brain that whirls away according to its own survival imperative? Why trust what's going on between these two ears? All it's doing is whirling around trying to figure out how to survive. If you've not accepted creation, you're not accepting science as an empirical greater law and a world that is out there based on design and now a mind that has been intelligently designed, placed here to figure out science. But if I approach science with the mentality that my mind was gifted to me by God to unlock what is around me, I'm ahead of the curve. I'm not just a, man, I made it out alive. Let's try the next thing. Let's try the next thing. Do you understand that one is archaic and the other, what would be the opposite of that, is a more modern approach. Creation, that sounds oxymoron, right? It's a more modern approach to get where you need to go. Because you're understanding the truths. Man, man. Everyone on the podcast out there, I I just fell off the stage. Just kidding. They don't know. Let me finish this. Listen to me. If you really want confidence in the scientific endeavor, turn to Genesis 1. If you really want confidence... And what I'm doing scientifically, I wish that I would have pulled that statistic. I read at one point in time, 
the amount of inventions that came from creationists versus non-creationists, it will blow your mind. Understanding that this is a relatively new philosophy, the modernistic way. Think about that. But you're so much further ahead if you accept Genesis 1. Turn to Genesis 1, where humanity is specifically created, watch, in relationship with the orderer above the world out there. We're made in the divine image, and the divine command is to rule and fill the world. More than this, if humanity is created in God's image, it's because we're destined in Christ, the image, for face-to-face fellowship with God. Come on. Come on. That's good stuff. (laughs) And if that's so, then we can have confidence the human mind is indeed capable of grasping those things above, those things above, even as we are sent out into the world as we know it that is out there. Genesis Genesis 1 is far from being anti-science. It gives us these three building blocks and every reason to believe that they, are, <coughs> that they triangulate to yield fresh insights. But if we turn from the Bible, what right do we have to expect rational order in this cosmos? What right do we have to expect a comprehensible universe? What right do we have or privilege do we have from the processes of these three uh, pound blobs of gray matter between our ears? To turn from the scriptures is to weaken science, not strengthen it. The realities of Genesis 1 provide scientific enterprise with its firmest possible foundation. So, what's the point of that article? It's a lot. Let it sink in. Go back. Read it over and over and over. Why? Because we have to get to the point where we realize that there are laws above us because of creation. There is a world around us because of creation. And there are minds within us that can apply ourselves to our lives because of creation. So therefore, when someone says, you believe in creation? Oh, you for sure don't believe in science. And we, the fellows just went through a small group study called The Reason for God. And, and it was amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, but Timothy Keller, a great apologist, basically just turned the tables on him. You know, once again... Adolf Hitler, you tell a lie loud enough, long enough, and often enough, and people will what? Believe it. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. People are believing the modernist lie, the humanist lie, that you have something great within yourself that is apart from a great God. It's unfortunate. And, and for, from where I'm at, I'm, I'm, I'm taking back the night, man. <laughs> no, I'm taking back our stake, our claim, on the fact that we're idiots if we believe that. I'm just, I'm done with that. I can sit at a table and have an intelligent conversation. I sat at the table with our, our hopefully new missionaries, uh, the um, Divinis, with the Divinis. The dude, he is a research scientist. He does sit in the labs at Hopkins, and he's a creationist. He's doing amazing things with research. That's why he's going to expand that research in Africa, to help those people on the Ivory Coast. Is he less of a scientist? I would argue more of a scientist. Great article. I hope that's helpful for you. That's my declaration. What about my... i got to get back to my outline. There it is. What about my connection? How does this happen? Does some, some of you... Let's just be honest and transparent here. Do you have a hard time getting there? I have a hard time getting there, Pastor Matt, to this accepting of the fact that it was created in six literal days. Be honest. How many of you have a hard time getting there? Yeah? Anybody else? Thank you for being honest. No? Everybody else accepts it? Great. All right. We're, we're all scientists here, pretty much. <laughs> Just kidding. I think if we're all honest, we all have those moments and those seasons of doubt, right? Where the devil uses our own minds, our own God-given minds, 
against us. Man, I forgot to put my phone on silent, Brandon. All, I'm going to throw my phone. I'm going to baptize it like that. Man, that's terrible. Um, but the point is, is if you're having trouble accepting that, we got to go back. Elon Musk says this. <laughs> Let's pull in a scientist. Uh, he says this. Go back to first principles. Go back to first principles. Go back to how something works. The makeup, the fabric of, of, of what it means to be a creationist. And from there, you'll determine how to live as a creationist. So, how does this work? What's the connection? We know the what. I've declared it. I believe in creation. The connection is that creation is essential to consider because it reveals God's, watch this, original intent for the human race. Original intent. What does that mean? It means the way you and I are experiencing this was not original intent. It's just not. And unfortunately, that's what the opposing side to creation is using against us. And we're going to get into sin nature. We're going to spend a whole week on the fall and what that means. Don't miss this series. It's phenomenal. It's Bible, right? The point is, is God's original intent of creation and the study of is where we really unlock the connection. But you see, the scientists, if, if we put the side against creationists, what they're saying is, how could a loving God cause problems and heartache? Why do bad things, what, happen to what are they? What is that statement doing? What is that statement doing? That statement is attacking your foundational belief that you were created. Do you see that? Does anyone see that? The connection of my creator says that if I truly believe that, then I believe that there is an overarching law that is governing my life. Romans 8.28. And behold, all things work together for good to them that are the called according to his purpose. There's an overarching greater good here that God has for me. And so those on the opposing side are looking at your life going, yeah, how great is it? (laughs) You're a mess. You've had financial reversal. You've had divorce. You've lost a child, God forbid. And you're going to say you were created? Good luck with that. Do you understand? This is why it's important to go back to first principles and realize that creation was the intent. There are reasons why those things happen. It's called the fall, and we'll spend another week studying that. But just because they happen doesn't mean, John, that God's original intent wasn't good. That's what we have to understand. And when bad things happen in our life, Pastor Ray, that's what we have to fall back on. That's what we have to have a good understanding of. Because if you don't, you're like the chaff. which the wind. You're nodding your head so much because you get the Bible. Miss Cindy is a pillar in the Word of God. She probably has more committed to memory than all of us combined put together. She understands her Bible in the sense that that was not God's... When something bad happens, that was not God's original intent in creation. So therefore, my point in saying that in the connection of creation... Don't let people tell you that because of those extracurriculars, those, watch this, aberrations, because of those that you were not created. They'll always be the critics. Watch, let me help you in 2018. How do I apply this in a pop culture relevant way? Haters gonna what, guys? Come on, say it like you mean it. Haters gonna what? They're gonna hate, 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 hate. Right? Am I telling the truth? They're gonna hate. Hate, hate. What does that mean? What does that mean exactly? 
I'm doing something the way I intend it to be done. And they're what? Hating on it. Why are they hating on it? What's the typical reason? Tell me. Say it again. They, okay, that could be one. That's a good point. They don't understand. Ooh, that, that's, that cuts out of the mouth of babes. They don't understand. I take you to Ephesians 5. They're children of the darkness. They have not seen the light. They have not been illuminated in their minds, Miss Phyllis, to accept the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Come on down. The price is right. You want to? No, just kidding. I wanted to do that every week, Miss Charlotte. Every week. Here's the, here's the point. Haters going to hate because haters don't understand why. That's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to understand so that we can what? Share. But instead, we have a whole generation of people who don't understand themselves. They're not getting it themselves. Well, maybe he didn't create it. All right, next topic. Where are we going for lunch? Missed opportunity. Be who you are in Jesus. Because original intent was not those things. Explain it. Talk about it. Get Jesus out there because I promise you, it'll illuminate their minds. It'll illuminate their path. They'll see what? Value. That's sales. The value proposition, right? The value proposition is in the beginning, God created. And he did it in his form, in his likeness, out of love. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the point, the connection is, is that this is not original intent. So I'm, I'm taking the ammunition from the other side and I'm disarming it. I'm cutting their fuses off right now. They're gonna, it's the age-old argument. And then why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? That argument does not prove anything. Nothing. And I can prove that scripturally. But don't let that enter into your mind to cast doubt on what God's, watch, original what? Help me. Intent. Turn to your neighbor and say intent. Intention. I'm going to help you with the what. Can you handle the what today? I don't know. I, I don't know if you can handle the what. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I'm going to have to get a little excited. I'm going to have to get a little passionate about the application of this message. I hope that it, I hope that it lands in a heart that believes this morning. I hope that when I make this, this connection, I hope that when the application comes home, Douglas, of creation, that you accept it and that your heart is open. And that's my prayer for you right now is that your heart is open. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I don't know all of you here today, but that this application lands on a heart that's ready to make a change. How many know that if we don't change, we die? Come on. we got to get off that crusty thing that, man, we just say, well, time changing, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Can't do that. I like the cold. It gives me like more of a rasp with my accents, my weird accents that I use. Nothing. <laughs> Excuse me, it makes me cough though. So my, my point is, is God doesn't change. Help, stay with me here. God's original intent is still the same. Yesterday, yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his what? His name. He never changes. How many, how many can help me with this? We've changed. We've gone astray. Everyone into his own way. And the Lord has, have, has laid upon us the iniquity of us all.
But that doesn't have anything to do with our what? Our creator. What's the application? How about we do this? How about we deep dive quickly into us? I could talk about the world. I could talk about what the Bible means when it says firmament. That is the craziest study. I'm here to tell you right now, if you deep dive into that word firmament in the Bible, it is mind-blowing what that word actually means. How many know what that, how many knows what that word firmament means? No, but you should study it. And then tell me next week what it means, okay? It's a crazy study. I could focus on hundreds of parts. The jury's out. Cool. All right. Give it to you. You're both theistic evolution. Say a little louder. I'm stuffy. Remember. Let's get a coffee. I'm down. I'm down. This is what it takes. Do you understand? This is what it takes. Are we not, right, are we not taking the time to speak to the next generation? Why? Because it's not our why. It's not hit your heart. It's not something you've accepted. This is what it's all about. Let me pick one part about creation this morning to deep dive into, and then we'll be gone, and that'll be it. Here's where I picked us. Let's deep dive into us as the created beings. Stay with me quickly. I'm going to share this, and we're going to take off like a helicopter. Genesis 1:26, And God said, let us make man in our image, our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over all the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Did everyone catch that? Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Man is going to have dominion. Man is going to rule over. So God created, verse 27, man in his own image. And in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Check this out. Original intent. Are you ready for it? What it was supposed to be. And God, if you have your Bibles, what's it say? Bless them. Turn to your neighbor and say blessed. Come on, say it louder. Blessed. Blessed. And God blessed them and God said unto them, watch this, be fruitful. Turn to your neighbor and say fruitful. Say multiply. Oh my goodness. Help us up. And replenish. Say replenish. That's right. You too. It's about to go down. Say multiply. That's right. Come on. The engaged couple in the house. Replenish and subdue it. What does that mean? And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. Hey, look, the science of the message is over. My research study today is over. All that's left is the word of God, which you already know that I have accepted to be the word of God in my life and that God has created us. Now it's time for the message. We're to be fruitful and multiply and replenish every living thing that moves. We're going to be over. Verse 29, and God said, behold, I have given you every herb yielding seed. What does that mean? We're supposed to be vegan. Yes, I'm telling you, church, it's not popular preaching, but it's true. In God's original intent, we should be vegan. Why? Look at it, verse 29, which is upon the face of the earth and every tree, and the which of the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it is for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the air, and everything that creepeth wherein there is life, I've given all the green herbs. 
And it was so not popular. But I think that if I would go back to God's original intent, I wouldn't look the way I do, church. This is a basic illustration of how creation can go awry. Does it make sense? We should be vegan. There it is. <clears throat> and to every beast of the earth, and every fowl. We already read that. Verse 31, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Say good. good. It was very good. It was good. Got him. It was very good. This is original intent. Go to the scientists and say, look, yo, before we were even here, it was good. That sounded like Chris Rock. It was good. <laughs> you know what I mean? In, in original intent, it was good. That you can look at it however you want today. You know what I'm saying, baby? However you want to look at it today, it's this and this and that. But in the beginning, it was what? Good. It was good. Son. Isaiah 48, verse 9. Listen to it. For my name's sake will I defer mine anger. Check that. Listen, church, don't miss this. This is where the clouds roll in. The children of Israel. Sin nature has set in. Problems on the earth are here. And this is God speaking life into them directly. He says, for my namesake only will I defer mine anger. And for my praise will I refrain for thee, that I cut thee off not. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in a furnace of affliction. For mine own sake, even for mine own sake will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. Ooh. God said, and I will not give my glory unto another. Hey, let me say it again, church. And I will not give my glory unto another. Does God change? Yes or no? no. Say it again. No. Help me, church. No. He doesn't change. The same God yesterday, today, and forever. I'm feeling the floss. Just kidding. The same God, that's going on our social media tomorrow. The same God is the same. Watch. All may change, but Jesus never. Listen. So here we are. We have changed. We have fallen. We have sinned. We are not in our mode of original intent. So is it up to God to give up his glory? Creation, I created you perfect. You fell. Creation, and we'll deal with that in another week. But here's God in the heavens. I can't. I don't possess the ability to not be perfect because I'm God. Don't judge me by your imperfection. How about you just give me the glory for who I am? If the creation will remember original intent, it'll allow us to give glory in our fallenness. God just wants glory. Let me help you with something. God's intentions. <laughs> you go on the first date, right? Fellas are, can't get the keys in the door, and you, know, you sit down at the table, and okay, I'm not going to order first. I'm going to let her order. Wait, wait, I'm going to get her chair, and you're fumbling all over yourself. And at the end of the night, she looks at you, and she says, what are your intentions? <laughs> right? That's a very crude way of me leading this into the last part of the message. What are your intentions with this relationship right here? Well, original intent, the Bible says it, be fruitful and multiply. Just <laughs> We won't get any more. We have teenagers in the building. Listen, that's a crude illustration to say that things go back to first principle real quick. Yes or no? You pretty, girl. You know what I'm saying? I promise I got good intentions. What were God's intentions? When he created, what were his intentions? 
If we can answer that question, I think that will help with your intentions. I think that will help with your intentions and with my intentions. Does that make sense? Look at verse 128 there in Genesis. And God blessed them. Hey, church, three things. God had three intentions. To bless you, verse 128, if you're looking at it. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Watch and subdue it. So not only do I want you to fill the earth with children, I want you to govern it. God said, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to build you. And the third thing, God said, my original intention, look at verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And God's original intent was for you to be beautiful. For you to be blessed, for you to be building, and for you to be beautiful. That's his original intent. This week was really sad to see. Two famous people forgetting God's original intention. Two amazing people. I mean, a designer. I mean, I bought her stuff for my wife. (laughs) I think she made wallets, maybe. What's the point? She didn't, I, I I don't know the story, but you could just boil it down to first principles. She was not feeling what God wanted her to feel. An incredible chef, an incredible reporter, an hilar- a hilarious guy, taking their own lives. Sad. You know, I think the church should raise awareness on what? On God's original intent. Let me look at each and every one of you. God's original intent is to bless you. And it's to bless you. And it's to bless you. God's original intent is to let you build your life and build your life and build what's around you, and build your family, something to the point that you are proud to hang your hat on it. Why? Because that's why he created you. And when he stepped back after he said, go get it, go build it, he said, it's beautiful. That's another way of saying this is very good. Church, gosh, I don't know how other other way to say this. The world's going to tell you that you need to look a certain way. This is what good looks like. It's 125 pounds. Good is, fellas, 225, chiseled. But God says, I created you in my image. And what does that look like? We have an infinite God that can look infinitely different in so many different ways. And every human being that he created, he said, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. It's good. I'm passionate about it. I want you to know that I made you fearfully and wonderfully. And in the belly of your mother's womb, when those chromosomes, however all that scientific stuff makes sense, I did it because you're beautiful and because you're the way I wanted you to look. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Don't let anybody tell you that you got to change what you look like or that you got to change who you are because you're beautiful inside and out. That's original intent. God made you and it was good. Kids, don't let anyone tell you different. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not worth it or that your marriage isn't worth it or that your kids aren't worth it. It's beautiful. Church, we got enough people trying to make some scientific experiment on Facebook of what good looks like. Puke. My likes, my followers say that my life is good. Son, I wish I could just light a little fire on their servers 
and let it all burn to the ground. With the amount of social injustice that happens because people are pressured into being someone that they are not. God said, you're beautiful. I love the way you are. What's creation's original intent for you to be blessed, for you to be built, and for you to be building? Because you're beautiful. That's the message that the world needs. No, let's talk about, let me help you with this. This will be much better. We evolved. We were like this little insignificant organism that beat out the other one. And then that one beat out the other one. And and we're here because we're tough. And because we eat things that aren't able to eat us. That's gorgeous, man. I mean, that's a love story made in heaven somewhere. I mean, it's perfect. That's not original intent for me. Church, church, original intent. God wants to bless you. God wants you to be building your lives and God wants you to see yourself as he sees you and that's beautiful. What are your intentions, church? What are your intentions today? What do you do with this thought of creation? How about this? How about you see yourself the way God sees you? Church, how about you see yourself the way God sees you? I'm not sure who's that is. If you're struggling, if you're depressed, if you're in that lonely place, get help. If you're, if you notice that someone is being reclusive, if you notice that someone is alienating themselves, you go to them. You tell them, I better not hug you, bro. I'm going to get you sick. Listen, you tell them, I love you. Let's start seeing yourself the way God sees you. What are your intentions? Here's my intention for you, is that you see yourself the way God sees you. And that's beautiful. Maybe you're struggling in a relationship that you're looking for approval in. You know, it's really tough. We, we build relationships. That's why God put us here. Oh, are you serious? You can see original intent in the way we build relationships? Uh-huh. That's how God made it. Isn't that amazing? But sometimes, watch this, we have an identity crisis. We start letting the system define us instead of us defining the system. Relationships are beautiful because of the people in them, not because of the relationship. Are you falling in love with your white picket fence and your house and your three beautiful children? Are you falling in love with your wife who made the relationship? See what I mean? We can easily miss original intent. And when we flip original intent by our intentions not being as pure as the original one, everything goes haywire. Do you understand how it's important to believe in creation now? I believe that I was, I was creative with an original intent. And I'm going to live my life blessed and building and being beautiful the way God sees me. That's my original intent. And then you're covetous and you get your eyes off of what God has given you. And you're focused on what he's given. Some, do you see how it works? Do you see how that derails, the train goes off the hinge, off the track, whatever you say? Church, church, what are your intentions? I've preached this whole foundational message on creation to ask this question. What are your intentions? I ask you, can you please just see yourself the way God sees you today? Can you just do that? Can you see your your children the way God sees them? Man, that's just me all over again. (laughs) little rascal. 
I get it. Trust me. This morning, I had a moment in the parking lot. Whoa-pow! <laughs> He's just like his daddy. But you know what? He's just who God wants him to be. Romans 8.28 only makes sense if we're able to give God the glory. Church, this is my other ask. We're shutting it down. We're circling the, circling the wagons. My intention is to see myself the way God sees me, and my other intention is to give God the glory in everything. God said, <laughs> only for my name's sake, only for my glory will I do and withhold judgment. Church, we're going to go down the rabbit hole of sin nature and all those other things, but as it pertains to creation, can we just give God, give God the glory for what he did originally? It was a pretty good thing because he said so. Was it not? It's pretty cool, wasn't it, Steve? And God saw that it was, say it, 